A stalemate between the Phoenix Suns and DeAndre Ayton. The breaking news of the day, as well as part six, I believe, of our Suns preview series. 13 questions that will define the Phoenix Suns season. Coming all of that right up here on Locked On Suns. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. I'm your host, Brendan Clean. Been covering the media, been covering the Suns as a credentialed media member for the past five years. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single morning here. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns. Follow me on Twitter at Brendan Clean14. Again, we are going to hit on the news of the day. DeAndre Ayton, uh, his camp clearly leaking some uh, negotiating tactics to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, and we'll answer our sixth question of the Suns preview series here on Locked On Suns, 13 questions that will define the Phoenix Suns season. Joining me to do all of that is Damon Allred. Damon, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm ready to talk some Suns. You picked a good day. We scheduled this way before we had any idea that uh, DeAndre Ayton would choose today to uh I, again i don't want to put the blame on him but that this day would be the the newsy day of all newsy days yeah it's he just put himself out there <laughs> he really did well let's start there let's start there just to to clear it up with people um four people this morning like 7 30 arizona time adrian warjanowski has a story locked and loaded tweets it out you know basically saying DeAndre Ayton has has sort of staked his side here that he will not accept a contract um, lower than a max with escalators up to that high level max of the All NBA players, which is two hundred and seven million, hundred and ninety two, I believe, is the uh, lower level, and he's he's there. That's where he wants to be, and the Suns have have yet to come around on that, and basically that's where things are. That that wasn't. Super unexpected, but let me ask you it that way because I'm here assuming that 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 came from DeAndre Ayton. Do you feel like that was the sort of sequencing of events here that that DeAndre's camp took this you know chess move and is now escalating the negotiations by leaking this? Yeah, you can tell the way Woj words the article and the tweet even that it came straight from Ayton. Like as soon as he gets done with the the formalities of here's what's going on. As soon as that part is done, it's just instantly Aiton blossomed under Monty Williams this season. And here are these other people from the draft class, like Shea, like Porter Jr., that have all gotten their max extensions already. And Aiton hasn't gotten his. Mikhail hasn't gotten any extension either. And so you can just tell it's from Aiton. My, <laughs> my favorite part of all of that. Um, I don't know if you noticed it the same way that I did, Damon, but um, Aiton held NBA Finals MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo to 53% shooting as their primary defender in the finals while Antetokounmpo shot 70% against the rest of the Suns. Like, 
I'm all for like, you know, the guy who wrote this for a Woj very deeply diving into synergy as they're writing up their, uh, their little article, but what on earth, like <laughs> they were really digging for some numbers here in this story to, uh, to fluff it up. Yeah. That part especially sounded a lot like back when Iguodala won finals MVP, just for holding LeBron to like 35, yes. 10 and 10 instead of like yeah. 50, 20 and 20. Yeah. He, still, he still shot better than 50%, but it wasn't 70. So pay us, yeah. you know, pay us money. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to correct myself too. So Aiton um, could earn $172 million on the uh, basically lower level of that contract. I, I set it at 192. Um, it's been the same number for the whole season. It You know, none of that has changed. Effectively, what happened today was that Aiton, again, escalated things. And so I wonder where you think that leaves us. Like, does this change anything for you, Damon, as far as how you feel like, uh, how likely you feel like it is that that a deal actually gets done? Did this push the Suns in in a situation or in a direction that they weren't already going to go? Do you think this cements that he's absolutely getting the max? Where does this leave us? You know, honestly, James Jones doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to relent in these sort of negotiations. It seems like he came into this negotiation process with the mindset that if Aiton wants a max, he's going to have to be a max level player on offense too, instead of just on defense. And I think it's well within James Jones and the Suns' rights to want to see more of that flourished offensive role from Aiton before they commit long-term like that. I think this is, um, to me, I tend to agree with you. I don't see the front office. I don't see ownership as being easily pushed around. I mean, I, I was randomly awake early this morning. I it didn't. I was checking other Suns people's just to see their thoughts, and uh, I could tell there was still a lot of sleeping happening, but I was firing off tweets first thing this morning when it all came out, and one of the things that I felt like my initial instinct was was just to say that, A, as you were just saying, this is now a pattern this offseason. Um, with Chris Paul and Cameron Payne, it has worked. They were able to get those guys for less than we thought, team-friendly contracts. And, you know, for right now, it's it's all smiles and, and rainbows there, as far as we know. Um, but now with Aiton, it's sort of the negative side of that, right? It's um, the squeezing and the hard bargain and the line in the sand that James Jones has clearly drawn with each and every guy that he has had the opportunity to bring back here is rubbing eight in the wrong way and understandably so. And the other thing that I thought right away reading this stuff was the, the leverage is all on Deandre Ayton's side. Now I saw some people basically saying like, well, how can that be the case when the Suns are the only team able to sign him to the five year full, that 172 million number with the escalators that can go up. And obviously I understand how that works. Another team, uh, next offseason could only sign him to in restricted free agency a four-year contract that would not be quite as big because the raises can't be as high and all that stuff. I get that. But um, at the end of the day, DeAndre Ayton, if he leaves, of course, that's a, a disaster situation. He knows that the Suns 
need his talent. He knows that he just proved himself. He knows that sort of public sentiment is on his side, and he knows that he's better and more established than a lot of the other guys that have signed contracts, particularly Michael Porter Jr. And you could say Shea Gilgis-Alexander, although I'm a pretty big fan, but he hasn't performed in the playoffs at all. So that was sort of my read on things. And I just feel like DeAndre Ayton is probably right to do this. Like pushing this button the way that he did, I feel like was the right move on his part because he's publicizing this. We've all just been assuming you know, oh, the, he doesn't, maybe he's going to accept less, maybe it doesn't matter, maybe they'll, you know, get it done and this, that, and whatever, but it, it's clear that he wants more, and it's clear that he has a, a, a credible claim to making more money, and I feel like I, today, for the first time, felt like something might actually um, break here, that, that we could be headed toward next summer, with a contract for Aiton. Do you feel like that's a possibility? Did you, did today change the likelihood of that in your mind? You know, I, I really don't think that uh, James Jones and Robert Sarver are ready to sign him to the max right now until they see more on court, especially on offense, just further consolidation of what he showed in the playoffs. I think there's maybe some sort of feeling in the front office that it could have been a fluke or that it was just too small of a sample size for them to really commit long-term with such high amounts of money. But I just think they want to see more, and I don't think they're going to give out a max before so the you season think, starts. you think that, because I, I, I like, I, I know you said that before, but like you think that it's more likely that they would just kind of wait than... Like the impetus on their end right now, you think is to basically go into the season, let it continue to linger and watch him develop more rather than maybe caving, paying a little bit more. Maybe they pay something close to the max, but not quite or something like that. Um, I, I understand there are some limitations. They can't just pay any old amount that they want, but there are some some compromises that could be made. There could be, you know, Let's give you a player option that maybe you wouldn't have gotten. Let's give you some of these um, maybe incentives that get you up to that number. But right now, we're not going to give you that number. Like, you think that they're more likely to just wait? Yeah, I think they're pretty more likely to wait. Um, I could see a situation where, like, he he gets a little less than the max, but he gets a no-trade clause or he gets a player option on the fifth year or something like that. Some of these sweeteners, um, right? Yeah. Yeah, just a way for them to meet in the middle of where they're at right now. But I don't think he gets the full max before the season. <sighs> it, it is really tough. I, I, I think that you're right. When the Michael Porter Jr. thing happened, I could have sworn that the Suns were just going to end up paying Aiton and, you know, agent a Aiton's agent was able to just basically at that point say, like, you know, you have to. You know, you're going to be in the, the laughing stock of the league if you don't, keep this thing together but the fact that they got to this point and, and they've still held firm seemingly according to this report makes me feel today for the first time in a while like two months ago I was like no it's not happening then I decided it was happening I've gone back and forth but today I, I do think that I, I lean more toward what you're saying that it might just hold out so with that said I told you we might go two segments on this I figured we'd have some more thoughts there's another part of this report from Woj that I think 
um, sort of gets deeper into the question here. Aside from the offense, like you talked about there, I think is something else holding the Suns back. We'll get into that in just one second. First, though, a quick word from Sweatblock. Sweatblock is the little secret to confidence right in your back pocket. It's doctor created and doctor recommended, and it is a deodorant that changed everything, really. Um, Past 10 years on Amazon bestseller, 13,000 reviews, number one in the antiperspirant category. So again, they really changed the game because it's not like your typical deodorant. It's not a bar or a, a swab that you're you know rubbing underneath and constantly reapplying and all of that. Everybody who lives in, in Arizona fully understands what I'm saying. It's not like that. It's a wipe. It is like a wet nap. You, you peel it open, you wipe it underneath. They say to do it before bed. Sleep with it on there. It applies. It gets in there. It adheres. They tell you you can use it for up to seven days per use. I get a little nervous. I've used it before. It, I, I, I let it go three days, and then it was September in Arizona, so I got a little bit nervous and, and reapplied three days later. But it did work for three, which is more than you can say for a deodorant that normally lasts three hours. So again, little secret to confidence. It allows you to wear what you want to wear. Put it wherever you need. A little bag, a toiletry bag, a, a briefcase, your back pocket, like I said, whatever it is to get you through the day uninhibited. You got nothing to worry about, no odor, no uh, wetness, no anything. Stop it in its tracks and, and, and you are good to go. So if you or someone you know, actually look, it's a kind of a, a funny stocking stuffer, but I wouldn't blame you if you went for it. Check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on. Again, that's sweatblock.com, promo code locked on for 20% off at checkout or at Amazon and CVS. Today's show is also brought to you by Sleeper. Back in 2018, the fantasy sports experts over at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense, required very little strategy, so what Sleeper decided to do is to go ahead and fix the whole thing. They released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball called Game Picks, available only on Sleeper. In Game Picks, Owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count toward their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's player simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over. The days of mindless, busy work, setting your lineup and checking in and updating it all day, every day are also over. So whether you prefer Redraft, Keeper, or Dynasty, Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper crack the code. For fantasy basketball, making it more like the fantasy football games that we all know and love. So you are going to love Game Picks if you like fantasy football. It's really just they turn fantasy basketball into fantasy football. Download the Sleeper app, start a league with your friends today, and enjoy. Okay, Damon. So the thing I was talking about coming into that break that gets a little deeper into some of these things is um, this line. So or paragraph, really. A significant part of Aiton, this is from the, the Woj story, a significant part of Aiton's development and maturity has revolved around the relationship and trust he has built with Coach Monty Williams in their two seasons together. That would be tested should Aiton spend the season believing he's headed to restricted free agency. Um, I always tend to, as I think you were saying you do, the intel that Woj gathers on a day-to-day basis, I think seeps into some of these reports when he writes them, although I doubt he actually writes them. Um, And this one was telling to me because I think that part may actually have been informed by reporting that Woj has done with the Suns. And the idea that Aiton, that they sort of see this situation as very precarious, that 
Aiton's consistency and growth is a direct result of his relationship with Monty. I wonder if they're just worried that they don't want to have to do that for, you know, the next seven years to keep this guy engaged in everything enough to earn that max level. Like they can't have a coach dedicating his every day to making sure this guy's living up to his contract. And I think they're worried that if, if that piece is not there and he's having to sort of develop and, and grow and be dedicated on his own, that those things might start to uh, break down. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to see it from Aiton's point of view, I think you do see it as a sort of situation like um, if they don't want to commit to him before the season, then it, it's like they don't trust him or they don't view him as uh, as mature as he thinks he is maybe. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see how Aiton would be um, a little bit hurt by that stance from the team. But are the Suns wrong to feel that way? Like, are they wrong to look at it and say, this is a guy who, like, we all saw it in the finals and we were fawning over De- uh, over Monty Williams, you know, pumping Aiton up and saying, play with force and, you know, you are holding yourself to this standard and that's why you're down, but, you know, we need you and you're, you're valuable and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, on the other end of that was a guy who somehow was down on himself in a huge moment and so I do think there is some credibility to the fact aside from the offense part of this that the motivation factors and sort of the like buildup of how Aiton runs um, things internally and and operates within this team is precarious like I said it's it's kind of hanging in the balance in some ways where what happens if Monty Williams is not solely focused on building this guy up every day and he becomes a vet and and a leader and everything else the way they want him to be can they believe that that's going to happen yeah I think you're exactly right they they do have every right to feel that way I I was just sort of seeing it from Aiton's perspective playing the devil's advocate I mean you look at the the coaching staff uh coming into this year like we had a couple departures with Willie Green going to the Pelicans and with um, Ricardo, is it Foy or Foy's? Foyce, Foyce, yeah. Foyce, with him going to Tommy Lloyd's staff. I like. At, I uh, actually sometimes like to say. I, I imagine that it's Foy. That would just be funnier oh. to me. <laughs> I mean, I'll just go with it. I don't know if it's right or wrong. They all say Foyce, but okay, yeah. So any, with any Foyce going, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Foyce going to U of A too. There's a reason yeah. why Mark Bryant didn't leave, and yeah. there's a reason why Mark Bryant is still sort of looked at as Aiton's babysitter or one-on-one coach in in a certain light so um I think the Suns feel like they're in the right for feeling that Aiton's not ready to be trusted but I can definitely see where Aiton would disagree yeah I mean at the yeah at the end of the day I think like it's very kind of worn out as a as a phrase but like your contract is what you're going to be paid. Your your contract is what the market says your contract is, not what doubts your team can add up into a deduction from your max, right? Like your contract is whatever you could go out and earn. And the reality I think is that Aiton is right to feel like he deserves and that the, the counterparts that he has around the NBA and their money has basically cemented him as somebody in the caliber of somebody who should be earning a max. I also think that the Suns are right to think we should 
we want to see more. So maybe that does lead us to a situation where the, the most likely scenario is that both sides just say, we'll wait until next off season. And obviously all these options will still be available to us. They can still sign Aiden to the same exact contract. And, you know, maybe by then he'll have already made all NBA and he can, you know, push that in front of them and say, look, I told you I could do this. And now you can give me that escalated deal and we'll all go home happy. Um, with that said though, and I talked about this in one of my first questions for this series, because I thought it might come up. How worried are you that that affects the chemistry of this team as Aiton is now basically heading into every game and every practice thinking I got to earn my, my money. And I, that, that becomes a, a focus for him. And, and, you know, there's now this negotiation that has not gone as both sides would have liked it to. So I kind of view the the team structure and infrastructure as being really strong at this point. Landry Shamit had some words the other day about how the culture here is just different than other organizations. And he's been on some playoff contending teams. Yeah. Um, so I think that as far as the other players on the team go, um, it won't affect them too much. Uh, but Aiton, I can see him wanting to get his own a little more on offense, but at the end of the day, when he sees JaVale McGee right behind him playing yeah. within himself and getting the credit from other players and from the coaches for playing the way he plays, like uh, Shamit had a quote also about McGee, about just how good it is to have a guy that rolls as hard as McGee. And so I think that between the rest of the team still functioning as it did this past year and potentially even better with another year under their belt, and with there being a real backup center behind Aiton this year, I just think there will be too much for him to be in his own lane before he can really just be back in the team's lane. Yeah, I mean, I, I sure hope so. I, I obviously agree with you on the point of the backup center, and that's a great point by you because that's something that they had the first two years of Aiton's career and they made a very concerted point of having that Rashawn Holmes and Aaron Baines guys who were starting caliber players who could push Aiton from behind there and now they're back to having that so I'm sure that was very much a hole that they needed to fill from a rotation perspective but it probably wasn't an accident that that was a high priority just in terms of some of this motivation stuff but it'll obviously be interesting we are basically T-minus 12 days by the time you all are hearing this until uh, deadline day. We don't still know much of anything about Mikhail Bridges, so that's conversation for a different day. This Aiton situation seems like it will linger. Um, but <laughs> let's close out the show with the real purpose of us hopping on this call today, Damon, originally, which was to uh, answer the question of will and can Cam Johnson overtake Jay Crowder as the Suns' fifth starter. Lots of thoughts there, so stay tuned. First, though, quick word from betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and they are back and better than ever as all eyes are on the gridiron for another football season. BetOnline, your number one spot for all the pro and college football action all season long with the new and updated site and interface. That means you get even more odds and props and contests where BetOnline continues to once again be that number one source for everything Football. So the way you're going to celebrate the return of football at this point, it's not even a return. I feel like it's all day, every day at this point, but they are still rolling with their 
celebratory bonus, which is 50% straight to your account when you make your first deposit and use the promo code locked on. So again, that's head to betonline.ag on the web or their mobile app. Put that first bit of money down. Use the promo code locked on when you do to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. From football, basketball, and boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, take advantage of all the amazing offers at Bet Online for the entirety of the 2021 season. Bet Online, where the game starts. Part six of our Suns preview series 13 questions that will define the Phoenix Suns season. Damon, we are at long last here for the uh, original purpose of our chat today. Um, I'll, I'll just give you the floor. How likely do you see it being that Cam Johnson overtakes Jay Crowder as the Suns' fifth starter? Not by, you know, the 20th when the games start, but maybe by the end of the season into the playoffs. Yeah, so if I if I can real quick, I just want to share um, some lineup data from Basketball Index. Always. Um, so for the, for the Jay Crowder combination with the rest of the starters, um, those five... It's Paul, Booker, Bridges, Crowder, and Aiton. Those five logged 667 minutes together, which is the highest total of any lineup in the league. Um, And they had an adjusted net rating of 2.9, a really high scoring gravity in the almost in the 99th percentile, um, and then finishing and spacing both in the 80s percentiles. And then when you add Cam Johnson into that instead of Crowder, Um, those guys had a 188 minute sample size with a net rating of, uh, three as opposed to 2.9. So pretty neck and neck there and a scoring gravity of 99.7, which is actually the highest of any lineup with that sample size of minutes. Um, and then they had a 98th percentile in finishing and 79th in spacing. So, it really just depends to me on the looks that you're getting from the other team. Like we talked a lot about um, during the first round of last year's playoffs that when you're going against a team like the Lakers, you just need to have Crowder in there because of the physicality and defense that he presents at the forward spot. And Cam really stood his ground when he was put in those situations during that series, but it, it wasn't to the level of Crowder. And so I just think that if you're more in small ball situations that uh, Cam might get a look there. But when you're going up against a big team like the Lakers, you need Crowder. That's a great way to put it. I appreciate you doing the homework because uh, those numbers, I think, illustrate a lot of the angles of why this is interesting. Obviously, we know that despite Jay Crowder now having sort of a pretty much since he got traded to Miami, He has been consistently solid from deep. Uh, We thought of him as a streaky player, but he's put together a a calendar year of good shooting. But we still know that Cam Johnson is a better shooter, right? And I shared last week talking, uh, or on Monday actually, talking with Max McCauley, uh, the fact that Cam was, Johnson was one of the only players on the Suns that increased their rim frequency from the regular season to the playoffs so the, the awesome dunks and, and highlight reel plays that we all sort of took home with us during that run were backed up by a real noticeable aggressiveness on his part. And I think he's going to continue to get better there. 
in terms of diversifying his offensive game, attacking closeouts. We actually did see a lot of that in the preseason where he was able to get the ball on the move a little bit, either designed or just getting ahead of steam when the closeout came. And those are all really promising things. I don't really worry that the offense will continue to come along. I don't know if he'll ever be like a, you know, pull-up shooter or, you know, operator in the pick and roll, that type of a player. I think he is a little bit too slow and the, the handle's not really there and he's already 25. I think really the place that you're going to look is the defense. And as you said, in those individual matchups, I think it's pretty clear that Crowder has the upper hand. Um, and so in, yeah, in, in matchups where there is a specific player on the opposing team where LeBron or somebody is, is just obviously going to need a stronger veteran player to defend them, then yes, I think Crowder will be there, whether it's starting or closing, he'll be the important forward that has to be on the floor as the roster currently is construction constructed. I guess where I come down on it though, Damon is I trust the Suns team. I'm less worried about the Suns team defense than I am about them continuing to sort of bust the ceiling off of the team offense. And maybe that's counterintuitive because I think a lot of people would look at, you know, how the Buck series ended and not being able to stop Giannis and this and that and feel like, well, our defense needs to get better. But I don't really think that anyone on this roster is going to change a whole lot there. So I tend to think the defense is sort of the sum of its parts you know, type of situation where those guys, they the cohesion and everything, that's why they're great at defense. DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges, that's really the, the, the reason there. The offense is where you might be able to kind of keep getting incrementally better. And so that's why I feel like I lean toward Cam, especially to just get a ton more reps during this regular season, at least even his minutes with Crowder compared to where he was last year, where yes, he was hurt a little bit too, but Crowder was playing way more than him. Yeah, there have actually been times this offseason when I've been thinking about like which guy, aside from Paul and Booker, have the the highest offensive ceilings. And there have been times when I've kind of thought Cam has the highest ceiling out of those non-stars, even over Mikhail or over DA. I, I just really was impressed by what he was doing against the Bucks, And when his shot started to come back around after healing up from his injuries, um, he just looked almost unstoppable against certain units. He, I, I just think it's quiet for him and the nature of his, like we talk about it a lot with Aiton, just because we talk about everything more with Aiton than we do with Cam Johnson. But the way that the, the seasons were sort of fractured for him is even more pronounced because he didn't have that rookie year the way that Aiton did. And so the rookie year was obviously cut short last year. Um, he had the injuries and COVID in the middle of the season and wasn't able to get into great rhythm. I talked uh, a bit ago about the run where he was, you know, with the starters for a bit and everything else. Um, and that looked promising. The, the three forward monster that they unveiled when Booker had to miss those two games in late January were interesting. And I think that if he can just get consistent time, that he will grow on offense. And I think he'll grow on defense too. I just... I mean, look, Jay Crowder is one of the more coveted, you know, forward defenders in the NBA. I, I doubt that Cam will, will probably get to that level just from a strength perspective more than anything. But uh, I think he can get close and I think he's going to be eventually a much, much better offensive player. So that's where I sort of come down. And the, the other reason to bring this up is just looking long term and the fact that Jay has 
one year left on his contract after this one. It was only three years when it was signed, so we're already looking toward the end of that. And obviously, at the end of this season, Cam will be up for an extension. So I do think there's also a part of this where it's important to, at the very least, again, even out their minutes a little bit so that you can see what you have in Cam Johnson. Just treating this as a pure, you know, Crowder's our starter, Cam is our backup, and not going out of your way to find opportunities for Cam Johnson on the floor this season, I think would be a big mistake. Yeah, you're exactly right. And going back to that point you made about the the three wing lineup, um, I have some numbers to share about that lineup as well, if that's cool. Shoot. Um, So Paul Bridges, Johnson, Crowder, Aiton, all played 82 minutes together with an adjusted net rating of 6.8 and just outstanding um, scoring percentiles. We're talking like 96.2 in gravity, um, 88.8 in finishing, and 83.8 in spacing. So those guys were just monsters on offense, and you would figure that they were on defense as well, just with the length that comes yeah, with that. Sure. And with really four of those guys being pretty great defenders for their position, and then Paul not being a pushover either, even despite his age. To me, to I, and that's yeah, those those are interesting. I think in the same way that that playing Shamit with Booker and Paul or Payne with Booker and Paul is going to help their development and just be useful for getting those guys on the floor as much as possible. I think the same is true for some of those forward combos, whether that's super small ball I with Crowder at the five type of thing or um, going bigger with Cam as basically a two. I think that you just have to try that stuff. And I hope I keep using the word experimental for this regular season. I hope that's what we see. Um, but to close things out here, I think that the the version of the team that I imagine where Cam Johnson does start and whether that is after Crowder is gone from this team or whether it's sooner and it, we do start to see it this year, um, I, I feel like it mostly is coming from the other guys on the team getting better at certain things. Like if Mikhail Bridges becomes the type of guy and, I, you know, you, your mileage might vary on this, but if he becomes the type of player who can take some of those matchups that right now we see as the Jay Crowder matchups and DeAndre Ayton continues to improve on defense, not only just anchoring things, but also being able to take a guy like Giannis, like we saw him do. And on the other end of the floor, Devin Booker becoming just this monster that can basically be an offense unto himself, which again, your mileage may vary. I don't know if we'll see that player at that top level of a Damian Lillard or a James Harden. I don't know if Booker will become that, but in that reality, I do think a player like Cam Johnson, who is just a solid team defender, big for his position and shoots the lights out of the ball with some offensive upside. It's pretty good, right? I mean, if he's your Duncan Robinson, I know they're different players, but just a high-volume shooter who fits in the offense, fits in the defense, and doesn't kill you, that's working just fine for the Heat because of the way that everything else sort of pieces together for them. So I, I do think there's a future where the the ways in which this Suns team, like right now we think of Jay Crowder being so vital to so many of the things that they do, I think if other players on this roster keep getting better where we know that they will... Crowder becomes less vital, less important, and his role I could see, you know, either just dwindling or being unnecessary and not too long. 
Yeah. Um, is it okay if I throw out a, a trade idea? Do it. Yes, I'm all for trades. So with the the Aiden stalemate and with Cam Johnson uh, potentially rendering Crowder expendable, um, what are your what are your thoughts on a trade centered around Aiden and Crowder for Cat? Oh wow, you're you're doubling down on the the Sun Civil War of the day. Um, yeah, I love I love <laughs> how Cat has just become the guy like. Um, I know things are a nightmare in Minnesota, but it is just kind of funny. Like there's really never been much of a connection at all here. I mean, nothing really substantial. And we all just sort of are like, Oh, what about towns? It's funny. I, I don't even blame you for it. It's the um, Booker friendship. Yeah, of course. It's the Booker the friendship, friendship bracelets. It's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the, it's the, the, uh, slam cover. It's the fact that he wore the Jersey in the one picture and Brian went and Jimmy Fallon, right? Or Jimmy Kimmel, which show was it that they went on together? I think you're right. Yes, I remember that. And <laughs> yeah, Brian Windhorst constantly throwing, um, putting field to the fire. I, I do get it, but it is kind of funny. I would say in that version of the team that I was sort of concocting, I actually feel like if you're trading a little bit of defense for offense, which I feel like, again, is probably the right way to go based on the personnel with Booker and and Chris Paul for now and everything else that you probably, I think the team gets worse overall. If you're losing the value of Crowder and losing what Aiton does and replacing it with towns, like I just haven't seen it enough from Carl Anthony towns to be a winning defensive player. Now, when he was with Butler, we didn't really have that complaint quite as much. So I get that, but I would be worried that, that the identity of the team changes a little bit too drastically. And you're looking at like, Top three offense, bottom ten defense, and that's not a championship team. Yeah. So let me let me pitch you on on this idea regarding it and make my case for it. Um, right. Just that Cat throughout his time in Minnesota has never really had like an established point of attack defender or any real semblance of perimeter defense in front of him, and a lot of people have pointed at that as the reason why his defense has struggled. And so if he comes in here and we start lineups of like Paul, Booker, Bridges, Johnson, and Cat, I think there's enough on the perimeter to kind of deter offenses from really having a straight path to the rim like they do a lot of the time in Minnesota. It's fair. And I, I mean, I also think like the other part of it is that if you're just playing smart basketball and not playing young guys all the time, then you're just going to be put in better positions i mean you're not going to be turning the ball over you're not going to be taking bad shots things that all compound and create bad defensive situations for big men who have to sort of compensate like you know ayton was a, a a minus defender for the suns and somebody that you know we were questioning until all of a sudden he wasn't and a lot of that had to do with who he was playing around so i hear you completely and like I'm fully ready for a a, ma- a massive Carl Anthony Town season. I think that guy is one of the best offensive bigs in the history of the NBA. If you just go and look at what he's actually produced year to year, so again, I mean, maybe even saying top three offense was underselling the potential of that group, and maybe on you know top bottom ten defense was underselling it. And if you're like the a historically great offense in a middle of the pack defense, as Suns fans will know, you can get a pretty long way. So. I think uh, I get why Suns fans like it so much. It sounds like you're convinced. So it sounds like we started about with what will DeAndre Ayton do? And now you've traded him. 
You've traded Jay Crowder and, and we're <laughs> moving on. Forget last year. None of it mattered. We need a new team. I, I do want to go on the record that it wasn't like a serious let's trade Aiton. It, I do love Aiton still. And I, I think that he has a real shot at um, third or second team all NBA as well as all defensive team this year. But it's just fun to play around with the idea, you know. It is. It is. And and look, I mean, it, as a way of tying everything together, frankly, like we are laughing about talking about it in trades now. But, you know, we're two, three steps away from that being more of a discussion. And I don't really want things to get there because I think this team has a chance to be right back in a position to win a title again. And I don't think you disrupt that over a few million dollars or your pride. Um, but it, it's not too far away from a situation where you have to at least think about that stuff. And also with the Jay Crowder part of it, I think you already should be talking and thinking about Jay Crowder trades if you're the Suns. Not urgently, not let's dump the guy and he's he's no longer a part of our plans. But if you can upgrade that guy while his value is at its peak before his contract expires, I think that's a smart team building strategy. So um, yeah, these things kind of intersected coincidentally for us today. And I, I appreciate you doing uh, again that homework to give us the numbers and the trades is there anything where uh is there anything we can be looking forward to from you writing wise over the next couple weeks as we get closer to the season um i don't have anything in the works right now for the suns but i am working on some draft stuff for zona hoops i'm sure i'll i'll have some more up for bright side within before the regular season starts um i just posted a an article on there about um, the Suns' predictability and how it costs them in the playoffs. Uh, but I do want to know, uh, what a job by us to not mention really too deep Robert Sarver in the Aiton conversation. See, <laughs> you, uh, we could have just sailed through and his name wouldn't have even come <laughs> up. Um, no, I, I just am tired of it. I actually feel like the guy has changed. I also think he has proven that if they're going to win, he'll pay. I think that has gotten a little bit overblown. Like the Woj article said, oh, he hasn't paid the tax since 29 or since 2009-10. It's like, oh, you mean the last time they were good? It's really like yeah. sort of a silly <laughs> thing to to like, should he have been paying the the tax to bring, you know, Eric Bledsoe back on whatever contract he named his price at? Like, what, what are we doing? It, it's very give reasonable. Give Shaq Harrison the max. Exactly. Like, you know, be uh, give give Tyson Chandler even more money. Is that what we should like? I don't uh, I don't That's think the reason it's the Marcus didn't come. <laughs> yeah, he wanted his buddy paid and we didn't do it yeah. big enough. Um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think it's all the way Sarver. Until we know more, I, I won't go there. And uh, cool. Yeah. So check him out at Bright Side of the Sun at Zona Hoops. He is Damon Allred. And uh, we will be back with Robbie Calland of Up Rocks tomorrow talking all things Devin Booker. Haven't really touched on book a ton yet on this preview series. So it's it's long past due. You can look forward to that show tomorrow. Until then, guys, enjoy your Wednesday. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, 
everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.